0: is not to be afraid, don't get more afraid. They might extend the school break or something and in, in, they might even uh, where we not have church anymore. I'm not sure, but it might get there. But that's only for public safety. That's not necessarily because the end of the world is near and people are just afraid. So not everybody is staying home out of fear. Most people are staying home out of responsibility. So that's a big difference. We know that this works. The government knows that this works. It worked in China. Now, thank goodness you don't live in China. If you got sick, they just weld you into your house so you couldn't spread it. And that's what happens when you live in a communist dictatorship. But by keeping people in their homes, the, the, the disease in China, where it started, where there's by far the most, has gone way down. So they know that it works. They know that controlling people's movements and uh, public events, we, we know that it works. Okay? So I just, if, it gets, if it gets more intense, I just want you to know that don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's just a precaution that we have to take in order to, to stop the disease from spreading. I don't believe that you're, we're all gonna die. All right? And I don't want you to be afraid. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? Anybody have any questions or concerns that you'd like to voice? Right now, anybody? I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to be afraid. And I know that we're kind of making light of it, and we're kind of joking. But it is, it, like Brother Isaacson said, it is a serious thing, and we want to be sensitive about that, um, about joking. And I, I told it to the small group. There, the reason that the NBA season was canceled was there was a guy that, that was coughing uh, on, on the Utah Jazz, and he was joking and going around touching everybody's stuff and coughing on it, and like, ha, 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 making light of it. Well, it turned out he actually had the disease. And so he was, you know, so don't be insensitive. Don't be coughing in people's face to be funny. Don't make jokes like that, okay? Because people could be could be afraid. Um, I don't think that if you, you know, shake hands, you're going to get it. I don't think you need to uh, drink Purell, you know, swish with it every five seconds, you know, uh, gurgling, you know, no, no, out there like, you know, gurgling the the hand sanitizer. I don't think you need to do that, but just don't joke overly, okay, and be cautious with people's feelings, all right? So we're going to get on with our lesson from the book of Romans. Now, I know now that you're out of school, most of you have plenty of time to read your word before world because you're not really supposed to go out into the world anyway, so it could just be word, 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 word since you're quarantined. All right, so you could you could just read the whole Bible. Maybe we should just throw out the whole Bible. as That's our Word Before World this month, the month of quarantine. We're going to read the Bible in a month. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully, you've been reading the book of Romans, but we are going to walk you through some, some teaching on the book of Romans because I think it is a very, very important book, but it is incredibly complicated. So I wanted to start with Romans chapter number 1 today because it is one of my favorite chapters within the book of Romans, and it helped me so much through college. So I know that we're getting close to you going to college. There are some of you that are going to graduate this year, which is astounding to me, and many of you will graduate next year, and then even more of you will graduate the year after that. We will lose almost our whole youth group within the next three years. That is hard to believe, but... Um, You have to be ready for what life throws at you. And the number one thing that you have to be ready for when you walk outside of these walls is a conflict of worldview. A conflict of worldview. Worldview means everything. Now, what is a worldview? What is a worldview? Anybody have a guess on what a worldview is? How the world looks at you? Actually, it's opposite. So Brother Dalton is right. It's how you look at the world. It is how you make sense of everything. So take the current situation of coronavirus. This has thrown a big wrench in the plans of the people whose worldview is that one day science will cure everything and we will live forever. There are people that are working to end death and that are trying to build a scientific, technologically advanced utopia where we can live forever. I mean, this is, I'm not joking. People believe that. They, they look at things like the black plague that happened in the Middle Ages or the influenza outbreak in 1918, and they say, that doesn't happen anymore. We have conquered that. Smallpox doesn't happen anymore. Measles, that doesn't happen anymore. We have conquered that through vaccinations, through technology, through medicine. The world is constantly getting better. Constantly getting better. We are moving to the uplands of Utopia, where we will live forever in perfect peace. I mean, we really haven't had a war in sixty plus years that of any sub, a significant loss of life. I think we've lost, you know, a few thousand in the Middle East, but other than that, and that, I'm not making trivial that. But we have so people think we've we've had a lot of peace. We've had a lot of uh, scientific uh, advancement, and so the worldview is that things are getting better and we are conquering everything. But then something happens like this. And that really throws a wrench in that worldview. That throws a wrench in the worldview that everything is getting better and that there's never going to be any more hardship. We're just going to kind of we're going to end poverty. We're going to end uh, assault. No one's going to hurt each other anymore. Everyone's going to respect one another. We're always going to have peace and there's really not going to be any problems at all. Well, when this comes, something like this comes along, it crashes people's worldview and they run out and buy tons of toilet paper. It's like they're hoarding, because it's the end of the world. I mean, they just this was not supposed to happen in 2020. You understand what I'm saying? Because your worldview will affect how you respond to something like a global pandemic. Because if you believe that in the power of human will to get things done, and I, I, I'm thankful for competent people. We live in a very competent country. And we go to the hospital and we trust that the doctor is going to primarily do the right thing. We drive across a bridge, and we're confident that the engineers knew what they were doing, that the technology is sound, and we drive. You don't even think about it. You don't even get nervous driving across bridges. That hasn't always been the case. So we have advanced in technology, but things like this happen that remind us that we can't control everything. And so for the Christian worldview, though, this shouldn't be that big of a surprise Because our worldview says that this world is not our home. That this world, because of sin and because of the curse of sin that was entered into uh, the world through the sin of Adam and Eve, that we will never come to a utopia in this life. We will never come to a place where everything will be fixed. Everything will be all right. There will always be sickness. There will always be disease. There will always be death. Because the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. So we know that's our worldview. So when th- people start dying, we're not shocked. We're not taken aback by that, because it's going to happen sooner or later. Your life is going to come to an end, and you've got to learn how to make peace with that. So we don't get overly afraid of death, at least if... In in a mature sense, I understand it can be kind of scary because of the unknown, but if you you really uh, think about it, it's, it's going to happen to everyone. So our worldview matters. And so when you leave these four walls and you go out into the world, your worldview will be challenged. You will face people that have an adverse worldview to the God that you serve who believe that the best thing and the most kind and compassionate thing to do is to believe in human ability and ambition to control things. That's a worldview. It's a worldview that allows for over half of our political establishment in this country to believe it's okay for a mother to kill her baby inside the womb. That's a worldview that says God did not create that life. You, mother, created that life. And it, it disregards the role of a father. They have no say in it. It's you, mother, created that life, and you have the choice to end that life. That's a worldview. It's a worldview that we don't hold, but it's a powerful worldview because so many people buy into it and they, they act accordingly. If they didn't have that worldview, if they had the worldview we had, then there wouldn't be those laws in our country. There wouldn't be those politicians that run on those platforms. Uh, that the cloak, the language, and choice, and things like that they wouldn 't be that if they had an understanding that God gives life, so worldview's important, and you 're going to be challenged by your worldview as I was when I went to college you're gonna be, you're, you 're going to be it 's going to be a challenge to uh, what you believe what you believe and and there 's going to be other worldviews out there so we i want I want to look today at the worldview of Romans, so this is The worldview of Romans 101, 101 meaning like the college course. If you don't know anything about college course schedules, there's 100 level is freshman and the 01 is introductory course. So this is the basic course. That's what 101 means. So the worldview of Romans 101, Paul lays out his worldview at the beginning of this book. To the Romans. So, Romans chapter number one, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there and look at it with me. Verses one through fourteen really are just an introduction, so I'm going to skip those. It's kind of a long, and it's got a lot of good stuff in there, but it's kind of a long introduction to the book, to the letter that Paul is writing. Um, But in verse fifteen, he says, So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So he said, I'm ready to preach this gospel to you. And the gospel is good for everybody. I'm ready. I'm excited. I am passionate about what I believe. I believe in the message of Jesus Christ. If you've been called to be a preacher, you have to have a passion for the message of Jesus Christ. If you've been called into the ministry, you have to have a passion for it. I am ready. I am excited. I am, I am fired up because I believe in this message. I believe in this uh, God that we serve called Jesus. I believe that he can touch your life, that he is for everybody, that you, what you have is for everybody. You need to have confidence in what you believe because you're going to go and look at people that have a nice life, have everything together. And the temptation is they don't need the Lord. They don't need the Lord. But everybody needs him. Everybody needs to know Jesus Christ. Everybody does. No matter how good their life may look on the outside, everybody needs the Lord. You can can let your own life testify to that. Those of us sitting in this room, we don't know each other's real struggles and problems. We see each other on Sundays and youth events and we present ourselves well, but we really don't know what goes on deep in our hearts and in our minds and in our homes. We need the Lord. And I think you would look down in your life and say, yeah, sometimes I really feel like I've got it together and then other times I feel like I don't. I need the Lord. Everybody's like that. So Paul says, I'm excited to come and preach to you for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And you, I could, you could teach on that for a very long time. So when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading through Romans, don't just rush to get to the end. If you see something that jumps out at you, pause, make sure you know the meaning of the words so, like in this verse, when I, was, when I was preparing, the just shall live by faith, I thought was interesting. Because the word just, what does the word just mean? The just shall live by faith. It didn't say the good. It didn't say the righteous. It said the just, and it said it on purpose. So, pause and think about what that word means. The just shall live by faith. What is just? What is justice? What is justice? Fair. Yeah, absolutely. Fairness. So it takes a, a level-headed person, a, a intelligent person to be just. Somebody that's, that weighs the issues, that has a measured response, that is not prejudice, that does not just say, this is right and I'm I'm just going to believe this, but no, weighs things in the balance and is fair. And the Bible says that the just, the ones that are in charge of making decisions of justice, shall live by faith. So the most reasoned, rational people are people of faith. So faith is not something for ignorant, stupid people faith is something for people that have a brain that have a heart that have an understanding that are just they will live by faith it is foolish to believe otherwise now you will be told that religion this is what you if you go to a college classroom and you go to a sociology class or you go to a freshman introductory level of any kind of humanities, you will be given this quote that religion is the opium of the masses. That's what Karl Marx said, and that's what many in university believe. Religion is drugs for common stupid people that can't deal with the reality of life. So they have to believe in God because they can't deal with the fact that of all these different things, like so death, they have to believe in eternal life. They have to believe in, in healing. They have to believe in a good God because life is hard. They have to believe that God has a plan because they can't take the fact that bad things happen. So they have to, it's this, this drug that numbs you from actually living in life. That's, you're gonna to be told that. And it, it is a common worldview, but it is not true. Because the just, those that are measured, those that have a good approach to life will live by faith. They will put their faith in something because that's the only way to live. Because our experience teaches us that our lives are not meaningless. Because when you look at a human life, you can see its value inherently. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. So pause and think about what these words mean and what these things mean when you're reading through the Bible of any book. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, this verse is important because when you're sitting in a classroom and people are teaching you, this goes for preachers as well. Anybody that stands with authority to preach, to teach, a professor, a teacher, you have to understand that people aren't always straight with you. That there are people that hold the truth back in unrighteousness. There are people that know better and will teach opposite. So just because it comes across with authority does not mean that it is true. That's just a reality of life. Just because it comes across with authority, you do not have to believe everything that you hear from a flawed human individual. You don't. You have to consider the source. And you have to look at the fruit of their life and you have to look at the investment that they have in your life. So if you're, you're sitting in a college classroom, there are going to be things that are said with authority that are completely false. And there are going to be people that say things to you in all different areas of life that they know to be untrue, but they will say them anyway. So you have and God's going to work all that out and God will judge but you have to be very careful that you know what you believe and that you're not just believing things that I say. Now, I hope that you know I wouldn't lie to you. But just because I say I wouldn't lie to you doesn't mean that you have to believe me. You need to know for yourself that what I am teaching you is true. I, I, don't, I can't send you into a college classroom with just cliches. You have to really know something. You have to know God. You have to have an experience in a personal relationship with him. Because when I was told things, and I believe that my professors were ge- de- decently honest people, but I do think that they said some things that they knew couldn't really be backed up, but that's just kind of the groupthink. You know, there's, there's a power of groupthink. We, we say things that we don't really believe sometimes because we are forced to say them by groups. I remember that as a teenager. I, I, would, I would say that I like certain things, not because I like them, but because I wanted to like them because the group was doing it. That you don't really grow out of that. You can group think is a very, very powerful thing, and so you have to be very, very cautious that you're not just being churchy because you're in a youth group, and that you say I believe and I yeah I I love the Lord and all that. You better really mean it. You better really mean it. You better really understand it. So so there are things that there will be said in these classrooms that people may not necessarily believe, but they just kind of get. Caught up in the group thing. So just because it's being said with authority, this is what this is what the Bible's teaching us here. This is what Paul is teaching us that that there are people that hold back the truth and unrighteousness. There are people that know things to be true, but they don't teach them as such. You have to be very, very careful. You have to know what you believe. That, that's, that's, that's what Paul is saying. You have to know what you believe. And if you, if, you've, if you read anything else that Paul has written, you know that he does not expect the people that he's writing to to believe him just because of who he is. He makes arguments, and he puts out his record and says, I've never done anything to harm you. I haven't taken any of your money. I, I don't even let you pay me when I come. I don't even let you buy my food. I, I support myself so that I can minister better to you. So he, he, he's not expecting you just to believe him because he's the Apostle Paul. He's saying you've got to know what the truth is. How, so then how do we know the truth? Brother Jared, how do we know the truth? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, in them, in those that hold the truth and unrighteousness. Now listen to this. For God hath showed it unto them. God wants you to know the truth, and God is trying to reveal his truth to you. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul, I believe the context he was talking about was Jewish scholars that were teaching people falsely that they had to follow the law. I said that on Wednesday, that there's that's the controversy through Romans, that they knew better, but they were holding back the truth and unrighteousness. They knew better, but they were wanting to control people. So they said things that were not, that they did not believe because of control. Now, I love this story that my my previous pastor in Indiana, Brother Mooney, what he tells is that this big name preacher from a denominational church came and was talking to him and and wanted to have breakfast, and so he met him. And I'm going to be fuzzy on some of the details. I don't really know what all they talked about, but I do know that they were talking about Jesus' name baptism and how this man believed that you should be baptized in Jesus' name. And Brother Mooney said, well, let me baptize you in Jesus' name. And he said, Pastor, I can't. It would cost me my career, it would cost me my job, it would cost me my position in this church. I cannot be baptized in Jesus' name. But he slid a card across the table and he said, but this is the number to my daughter. Would you please reach out to her and see if she will let you baptize her in Jesus' name? You understand the power of those things? This man believed in Jesus' name, baptism, but he couldn't walk away from the church structure that he had created. From this powerful organization that had him in their grips. He couldn't afford to leave it. But he said, I want my daughter to be saved. I want her to be baptized in Jesus' name. Please, pastor, reach out to her. You understand the power of these things? Paul said there, there are people that hold back the truth and unrighteousness. There are people that teach things knowingly that they are false. Another story from Brother Mooney. I hope you forgive me for telling these stories. But I grew up hearing them, Brother Mooney, preaching them. So I, I don't know them firsthand but he's told him many times there was a conference a church conference an ecumenical conference gathering of church leaders from all kinds of denominations in France years ago I don't know how long maybe 20 years ago and brother Mooney felt like he needed to go felt like he needed to go so he told sister Mooney I I need to go to this conference it was a thousand dollars to go not to mention the plane ticket and the hotel and everything. It's a $1,000 just to get in the conference, $1,000. So he buys a plane ticket. He flies there on short notice. He's not registered. He walks up, and he's got his $1,000 ready to pay. And the person at the desk says, oh, Pastor Mooney, we, we expected you. Your registration's covered. Come on in. He has no idea who paid for his registration. And he said that in that conference, one of the speakers got up. I mean, this is church leaders from all over the world. And said, we've got a problem. We have got to deal with these oneness Pentecostals. We've got to deal with them. They are growing incredibly fast. And we don't know what to do about it. And he said, we have another problem. And I may be getting the words a little bit mixed up. But this is the essence. The Trinity is our problem. Because we all know it's not in the Bible. This was a closed door event. There were no saints there. These were all preachers. From all these denominations. And they were admitting this thing that we have created of this three in one that makes no logical sense is not true. But we can't get away from it because we have invested so much time and energy into it. You understand what I'm saying? Just because it is preached and just because it is taught doesn't mean that it's true. You better know the truth. Because guess what? We would be ignorant to say because apostolic is on the sign outside that we get everything right all the time. You better know the truth. You better read that Bible. You better pray. You better get filled with the Holy Ghost. You better have a relationship with God because you need to know. You cannot base your salvation and your worldview upon just things that you are told. You have to figure it out for yourself. Now, I have confidence in our doctrine, and I have confidence in our church. But you had better know the truth. You had better work it out for yourself. Because you can't always trust everything that you hear. And I know that that's kind of controversial to say. But you know what? I've, I've disagreed with some, some preachers that I've heard at camp meetings. I mean, I've disagreed with them. I've, I've had to say, that is not true. Now, I didn't run up and beat them with the microphone. Sometimes I felt like it. But I've had to say in my heart, that is not true. I know that not to be true because I know the Bible. And I could literally quote Scripture to say that why that's not true. I have heard a preacher say that you cannot worship God with sickness in your body, just like you cannot worship God with sin in your heart. And I, and I thought about that in this outbreak. What is he saying today? What is he saying today? I, that was not true. I know that to be not true because the apostle Paul was sick in his body. He prayed three times for God to heal him. And The Lord's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for thee. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to give you grace to carry this burden and to serve me anyway. The apostle Paul was not delivered from his jail cell when they beheaded him. God is complex. You can't say things like that. So just because it was said by an apostolic, quote unquote, who holds a license, doesn't mean that it's true. I'm going to say, no, I'm not believing that. And then my poor little grandmother who sits there and hears things like that and has got cancer and and back pain and thinks she's not a Christian even though she served the Lord her whole life and sacrificed and given and prayed and is a prayer warrior and thinks she's lost because she's got pain in her body. What foolishness. It just makes me angry. But see, I have to say, no, I'm not believing that. I'm sorry, sir, but you've come too late to convince me that this Bible isn't true. Because let God be true and every man a liar. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what people believe. You better know what you believe and you better hold on to that. Because there may come a day when we can't meet together. And then people are going to be telling you what to do. And laws are going to be passed. And you're going to say, sorry, that's not, that's not true. Just because it comes from authority, I, I, you may, we may not be able to gather together and get all this encouragement. And we better You better know what you believe. No, I believe that you've got to speak in tongues in order to know that you've got the Holy Ghost. I believe that it doesn't matter who comes and tries to talk me out of it. I believe it. You better know what you believe. So, not everybody tells you straight. I don't want you to be distrusting. But when it comes to matters of your soul, you've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You you, it's not just that you're a member of the church and so you're okay. You have to be a member of the body of Christ and he alone controls the entry point. If any man comes to the father, but by me, Jesus said he is the same as a thief and a robber, meaning it's impossible to come into God's kingdom unless you come his way. So you better know his way. And you, there's so many different churches. There are so many different beliefs. There are so many different people. You could read anything and get and find a. Um, you could believe the earth is flat, and you could find a research that says it's flat. You could. You could find anything today to back up your belief. But you better know. And the what, what the comforting thing is is that God is going to reveal it to you. Now I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Let's let's keep reading for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen are clearly seen the things of god are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead it's it's very it's actually quite simple it's actually been exposed, and if you can just remove yourself from the voices of influence that are trying to tell you otherwise, that are trying to tell you that God doesn't exist, that you can't have a good life living for God, that forces things on you that are contrary to the Word of God, if you could just back out of that, common sense teaches you that God created everything, that He has a way for your life, that His way is good, that righteousness is better than sin, that living according to God is the most blessed life that you can have These things are clearly seen so that they are without excuse. No one's going to have an excuse on judgment day because God has made it available to you. Prayer is available to you. You're worried. You're anxious. Guess what? Prayer is available to you. You can bow your knee in prayer and you can say, God, I want you to protect me. I want you to help me. God, I need you to touch my life. God, I need you to convince me that you're real. I need you to help me. I need you, I need to know that you're real. I need to know that you're true. I need to know what this word says. God, I need you to help me. That's available to everybody so that you're without excuse. You have that available to you. God will show up when you open up your heart, when you open up your mind to say, God, convince me of what's true. God, let me know what the right thing to believe is. Because when I went to college, that was a very valuable experience because people started telling me things that were contrary to what I believe. And I knew somebody was lying to me knowingly or unknowingly. I knew either my parents and my pastor and my church and my youth pastor and my youth group had lied to me or these people were lying to me, unknowingly. Somebody somebody wasn't telling it straight. I was pulled apart by two completely opposite worldviews and do not believe the lie that worldviews can coexist. They can coexist as neighbors without killing each other, but don't believe that you can believe both at the same time. That's a lie. If you either have to serve God or you don't. You believe that he's all-powerful or you don't. You either believe that you do it God's way or you don't. There's there's no in-between. There's no, like, having both options. It was a choice. I had to choose. But prayer was available to me. Prayer was available to me. So I didn't hit the books and, and try to get him. For, because, you know what, I couldn't believe all the books. I couldn't believe. I didn't know what's real, God. I can't But people. People are people and they write with bias. So yeah, I could read a Christian book and then I could read a a secular book. And they told said opposite things about the creation of the world or about the nature of life or reality. God, what is true? God was available to me in that moment. Prayer was available to me in that moment. That's where I found my answer. through the touch and the power of the Holy Ghost convincing me of what was true. You've got to get to that place where you let God reveal it to you. Because that's available to everyone so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. That's where I'm going to end today. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. So here's what I want you... This is, I mean, this is what Paul says right here. People that reject God, they do not reject God because of lack of evidence. They reject God because they do not want his authority in their life. I guarantee that that is true. And you can live that experience out. And you will come to know that is true the more that you live. It's not that the evidence isn't there. It's that people cannot stand to have the authority of God in their life. Because when they knew God, when they understood him, when they had that experience, they could not glorify him as God. Neither were thankful But became vain in their imaginations. What's vanity just means they became obsessed with this life. They could not come to the reality that there was something else. They just wanted this life to be all that there was. This life to be everything. So their foolish heart, the Bible says, was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Some of the most foolish things you will ever hear will come from some of the smartest people that you will ever meet. By this world's standards. I, I've been there. I, I've been so impressed by teachers and professors that were so smart. They really were geniuses. But they had these worldviews that when you, come, when you came down to it were absolutely Ridiculous! Like there is no such thing as truth at all. A- am I alive? Is that a truth? We don't know. It, if you feel alive, you're alive. Is it wrong to murder? We don't know. If it's works, I mean, you've got a situation. I'm, I'm telling you, when you push down to the bottom of it, this structure, this, and you can only get there. There's only some things that high levels of education can get you to. So you have to be careful because... You can, it's, it's this position, this is what the Romans is pulling out here. It's not about what's going on up here. It's about what's going on in here, in your soul. Because if you get a rebellious spirit against the Lord, it doesn't matter how much evidence there is. It doesn't matter how much uh, is thought out, presented to you. You will reject it. And you will, allow, God will allow your heart to be darkened. So the, the bottom line is today, the worldview of Romans is that you've got to know the truth for yourself and that God will reveal it to you. And if your heart is right, if your heart is right, everything else will follow. God, I want to know you. I want to know you and your power. I want to know what you want to do in my life. And it's not wrong to have a doubt. It's not wrong to have a concern. It's not wrong to say, I don't know if this is true because God will reveal it to you. God will help you know the truth. It's available to you today all right I want, I want you to bow your heads and I'm, we're going to pray a prayer of dismissal thank you for paying attention being a good audience today God we're thankful for this group of young people God I'm thankful Lord for them and and what they are doing in their life I believe in them and I know Lord that you have great plans for them and I pray Lord for those that are getting ready to graduate and go off into this world. I pray that you would help them, God, to hold true to what they have been taught through your spirit and through your power. I pray, God, that you would convince them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would teach them, God, through through your spirit what is true and that you would help them, God, to come to know you, not just so that they can believe me, not just so they can put their trust in me or what we say in this youth group, but so they can put their trust directly in you so that you can guide them, you can lift them up, you can lead them. God, I pray that you would protect this group. I pray that you would go with us, that you would keep us healthy, keep us safe, help us not to be fearful, help us to go forward in the confidence and the peace of the Holy Ghost. And God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.